A week ago, Thursday night, our teens had a special event as part of their regular youth meeting. And they invited parents to come out that week in order to discuss the adverse effects that social media are having on our children and teens as well as adults. And they discussed how some teens are deriving their identity and worthiness or worth uh, from Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere rather than hearing what God has to say. probably know about this, this problem. But I've invited uh, Christian to come up for a few minutes and tell us about what happened that evening, just a week ago, Thursday night. So come on up, grab a mic, and let us know. How's everybody doing? All right. Awesome, awesome. Um, like John said, we had a parents' night at youth group a couple of Thursdays ago, and we had some roundtables set up, and we had some discussions going on about a CNN documentary that came out last month called Hashtag Being 13. And uh, we actually handed out an article form of that documentary to all the parents and all the students, and they read through that article. And we had a few discussion questions that had to do with that article. We talked about what stood out to them from the article and why. We talked about what parents can do to be more aware of what their students are doing on social media. We also uh, talked about how parents can be an example on social media as well, because there's a lot of parents that aren't being good examples on social media as well. And basically, they did a study of about 200 eighth graders last year around the country, and they showed us that social media is such a big part of teenage life. It's huge. It's an epidemic. It's an addiction. Here's some of the quotes that they got from some of the students in this study. I would rather not eat for a week than get my phone taken away. It's really bad, said Gia, 13-year-old. I really feel like I'm going to die. Another student said, when I get my phone taken away, I feel kind of naked, said Kyla. Another 13-year-old, I do feel kind of empty without my phone. So these kids are obsessed with social media. It's defining their lives. Here's some of the statistics that show us that social media is defining their lives. 61% of teens said they want to see if their online posts are getting likes and comments. 36% of teens said they want to see if their friends are doing things without them. 21% of teens said they want to make sure no one was saying mean things about them. So you would think that students are always posting things all the time, but... They're actually lurking more than posting. Lurking means they're actually looking at what people are posting. They're looking at who's looking at their stuff online. And that is how kids are finding their identity. That's how teenagers are finding their identity, is through lurking around, seeing what their friends are posting, and seeing who's looking at their posts and their page. And that's how they're getting their approval from others. There was actually a freshman girl in this documentary that committed suicide a freshman college student because her self-esteem was getting crushed from social media. Their self-esteem was getting crushed from social media. And this is the crazy thing about it. This was a God thing. Like, the weekend before we had this parents' night, there were around four or five teens that committed suicide in Prince William County before we had this talk that Thursday night. And our own Catherine Goldfish was able to tell her story. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. But, you know, she struggled with, with suicidal issues, and she was able to talk about her testimony once we talked about this article. So this article sort of led into a little talk with Catherine. 
I'll repent later, Catherine. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. So we started talking about suicide. We started talking about, you know, what happened the weekend before with some of these students. And some of our students were just in tears. Because some of our students really had some self-identity issues. We had two parents that showed up. It wasn't a huge parents' night, but these two parents were connected to kids that were very new to our youth group, and these two parents had no connection to our church, and these parents were able to see the students ball. They were able to see their students really get affected by this talk, and the parents could comfort them, and the parents could be more aware of what was going on in the lives of their students with self-identity in social media. And it was a huge time. And I think the parents got ministered to just as much as the students got ministered to that night. There's so many teens that are finding their identity in the wrong things. And social media is just one of those things. You know, John's talking about finding your identity in Christ. We really need to challenge these students to find their identity in Jesus. Not in everything in this world. Not in social media. And you parents... You have to be good examples on social media as well, because the parents are almost just as bad as the teens are. You know, I'll see parents, I went to the bathroom five seconds ago, I just thought I'd put it on Facebook. I'm like, come on now, you got better things to do with your life. I just gave five inches, you know, I thought I'd tell everybody about it. And then, you know, Facebook is like a soccer mom's dream, you know. Little Johnny just scored a goal, I want to put 20 pictures on him and go to everybody's face, you know. You thought it was bad when parents would like pull out the whole photo album from the wallet? You know, this is the photo album on steroids on Facebook. <laughs> you know? So it, even the parents are horrible with social media. So the parents need to step up. Also, the parents have a big part in helping to shape their students' identity. I, I pick on DC a lot. I don't, you know, apologize, but I do apologize at the same time. There's such a focus on money around here. There's such a focus on being at the top. There's such a focus on climbing up the corporate ladder around here. And parents are always trying to get their kids in this American dream. But the American dream doesn't have Jesus in the equation at all. they got to get in the best college. they got to have the highest ACT scores. they got to be in math club and key club. And the parents really think that their kids are staying out of trouble, but their souls are getting drained. And there's been studies that helicopter pairing leads to a lot of kids committing suicide. So a lot of parents think they're helping their kids, but they're really draining the heck out of their kids, spiritually and physically and emotionally. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. And this is also Gotham. After we had this talk, we had a couple of kids in these four walls that were dealing with some suicidal issues. I'm not going to say who they are. I'm going to get in trouble, but I really don't care because I, you guys need to hear this. This is real. This is happening in these four walls. We are having identity issues right here. It's time for the church to step up and point these kids and show them that their identity needs to be found in Christ. Parents need to step up. Quit trying to throw their kids in the American dream and show them that their identity needs to be found in Jesus Christ. I don't care if it hurts your reputation. I don't care if you're trying to live through your kids. It's about Jesus. Because these kids are going to be committing suicide like nobody's business if people don't encourage them and help them to find their identity in Jesus Christ. So some of you adults need to really check your pride at the door. It's easy for a single 29-year-old to say this, I know. But I see this all the time. 
parents have unrealistic expectations. They're trying to get this American dream into their kids. But half their kids are on a one-way ticket to hell. And their parents don't even realize it. It's like we're about Jesus, but we're more about them getting a good job and getting into a good college. And that's all good stuff. But if it goes ahead of Jesus, what are you really gaining? Are, are these kids going to go in front of the throne of God? Or I had a, you know, uh, you know, 1,600 on my SAT. You know, I had a, a 25 on my ACT. You know, is that good enough to go in? going to be like, depart from me because I never knew you. And some of, some of you parents, it's like, we don't care about church, we care about everything else that they're doing. We care that they get into their house at, at 9 at night. We care about their grades, but when it comes to church, oh, that's your choice. It's like a, you're throwing your kids in the road, or the kids are in the road, and then somebody's coming at the kids in the road, and you're not going to yank them out. You're just letting them stand there. I know, I'm going to make some people mad, but I really don't care right now. This is real. As parents, I don't care how much they dislike you. You yank them out of that. If their eternity is at stake, it is your job to help them get connected to Jesus. No matter how mad they are, no matter how bad you know they do with the American dream, it is your job to get them connected to Jesus. So as a church, as parents, as youth leaders, as coaches and teachers, these identity issues are an epidemic. We need to help them find, help students find their identity in Christ. Amen. All right, I'm going to hand it over to John. I've been doing enough preaching. Thank you. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to get that fired up. But I want you to know, uh, you know, that this is an issue that is striking right at the heart of our youth group. And it's at the heart of our church. It's your heart, too, because parents have, uh, the reason we you know, encourage that of our kids is that we buy into the same goals, false standards ourselves, and think that that's really what it's all about. So there's some really big questions in life I want us to think about today, and that first one is this one, who am I? You know, who, who am I really? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? But there are others. There are questions like, am I loved? Am I appreciated? Am I significant? Do I have purpose? Do I belong? You know, am I ostracized? Am I put out here somewhere? And, and all these questions, you know, are, are deep inside. These are deep-rooted things that we need to get the answer to. And, and we can look at ourselves. How have we answered those questions? You know, where did we find our identity? Where did we find our purpose? Where did we find our significance? And there's this whole great variety of answers out there being offered by the world. Uh, many of those answers are wrong answers. So which voice are we listening to? Um, some people, you know, have said, I grew up, you know, in a household where I heard all these voices, maybe my parents, maybe, a, you know, somebody else that was significant to me, who were, who were always attacking me, always expecting more of me than I could give, and always felt like I was not enough. <laughs> Uh, and they heard this voice, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not rich enough, I'm not, not smart enough, not athletic enough, not, not from the right family even. And, and these messages get hammered in over and over again. We are told we're not enough. And if you hear those voices long enough, if you buy into that false, that corrupted uh, idea, that identity, 
then your life is is impacted. Your your direction is impacted by that. And sadly, the voices which shape our identity begin early in life, even from people that should care about us. And yet, we carry that with us, broken, defeated, maybe even hopeless. Well, better what about God? <laughs> because our, our title is, I believe my identity is in Jesus Christ. My identity should come from the one who made us, right? And shouldn't we be asking God, who am I? Because he created us. He, he made us. Shouldn't we listen to what he says? Because after all, he was the designer. He was the artist you know, who fashioned us. And if we come back to God, we learn some, some really wonderful, amazing things that he has said in his word. Through faith in Christ, we are given a new life. and We, we become the child of God. We will talk about this this morning. And so we learn, you are God's child. You are a co-heir with Christ. You know all the things that Christ has? Hey, they're yours. You're in the family. You are a temple of God. God's going to live in you. And God's going to reside, and God's going to work and live through you. You are a new creation in Christ. And so all that other stuff that was given, it's really part of the past. And you have a new future, a new life. You are a citizen of heaven. And so verse after verse, and, and we could just go through hundreds of these verses where God is saying, here's how I see you, here's who you really are. Our key verse today is John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, we believed in Jesus Christ, and I assume most of us have done that. Maybe not everyone, but most of us have decided to follow Christ. God gave us new life to us. He made everything new. And we became his child. We got many things given to us. And I, I know we can't spend time looking at all of them, so we're going to look at four of them very quickly here. First thing we were given is a new name. And we read this week in our Believe book that, that God gave a new name to Abram and to Sarah. When he you know, charged them with leaving their area and going to a new place, he would show them, and from them he would create this nation and nations of nations of people. And so Abram's name was changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And Sarah's name was uh, Sarah was changed to Sarah. And each time it's because God is saying, I've got something in store for you, and your name just doesn't measure up. I'm going to give you a new name. And the name that you had before you were a Christian doesn't measure up. It's not what God has in mind for you, but child of God. That's a neat name. That's a powerful name. As a child of God, you are given things that you would never have had before. Our value and our worth should come then from the value that God is placing on us. And as a child of God, we are given all the rights and privileges and responsibilities that God's children have. We belong to Christ. We belong to his body, the church. Let's, let's not put that body down. Let's not let try and, and you know beat each other up. Because we have been brought into this together, and we are the body of Christ in the world. And we belong to each other. And this belonging thing is a, is a really, really big deal. Because when you don't belong, it hurts. But when you belong, all kinds of things are attached to that. God said, at one time you were not my people, but now you are my people. First Peter 2 says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into 
His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's another new name besides child of God we've been given, and it's a really powerful name. It's the name Christian. A Christian was just up here speaking, but I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about all of us being Christians. All of us wear the name of Jesus Christ himself. We have been given this name by God's grace. We are Christ followers. We are Christ-like. We are little Christ. We are followers of him and his example. And we are declaring in that that we are totally dependent on him to live through us, to fill us with his love, to fill us with a desire to follow and to serve him. And that takes us to the second thing I want us to think of as child of God. We are given a new purpose. We have a new direction. We have a new focus. We are not, no longer living for ourselves, not, not living for the world, not living by a standard that is given to us that is false, that is empty, that is limited. And now our focus is simply to serve God and to serve the cause of Jesus. Look at Romans 6, 1 through 4 with me. Page 85 in your belief book if you have that. Page 85. And you may follow that. You may look on the screen. It says, uh, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. You know, uh, Paul's is saying, it's not about that. You're just taking advantage of grace. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have been given a new life, a new purpose, a new lease on life. And so Paul's saying, you know, don't toy with this. Don't cheapen God's grace. Don't take advantage of God's grace. By his grace, we were buried. That is our old self, our way of life that was sinful, that was selfish, that was false to, to what God designed. All of that is put away so that we could live the new life. We used to be slaves to sin. We used to be slaves to death. But now, he says, we are slaves to righteousness and servants of God. And we have been set free not to do as we please, but to do whatever pleases Him. As a Christ-following child of God, I no longer live for myself. You no longer live for yourself. But Christ lives in us. In Galatians 2.20, the Word of God says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is our new purpose. This is our new reason for living. This is our new focus, our new direction. That we no longer live for ourselves but for God. A third thing we get as a child of God, we need a sense of, of security. Uh, this really strikes at the heart of what Christian was talking about here for the teens. Because all of us want to know where our confidence needs to be. We need to know that we are secure. We need to know that we're okay. And when we try to derive that from people that are just as fallen as, as we were, you're not going to get any security from that. You're going to always be confused. You're always going to be uh, struggling. You're always going to feel insecure about things, lacking confidence, lacking hope. 
lacking assurance. But when we derive our security from God, it changes everything. God promises us he'll never leave us. God promises he will never forsake us. God promises he will never abandon us. How much more secure can you be than that? You know, to have to know that God's got your back, people can't. You know, they, they may promise that, but people fail. People mess up. People can't keep all their promises as much, much as they try. But God keeps every promise. God is faithful. Even the devil is no match for Almighty God. If we have the worst enemy in life come at us, God is always stronger. First John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I want to remind you that when Jesus prayed, there was this, this very intimate, personal prayer time with him and the Father. And he would say, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, which means you know this very close term of endearment. And we are encouraged in the Bible to pray that same way, because as God's children, we are granted access. We are granted that personal, intimate approach to God. And often in Scripture, we are told to have boldness, told to have confidence in our prayers. I want to remind you this morning what we said a couple weeks ago. If you remember it, there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. How much more secure than, than that can you feel? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you fail. It doesn't matter if today is much worse than any other day you've ever had. God still loves you the same as he did yesterday. And it doesn't matter you know, how many successes you have or how good you feel about yourself. God is still just pouring on his love for you because he has something better in mind. And our sense of security needs to come from God, not from some performance, not from some good works that we do. Our sense of security isn't in what we do at all, but it's in what God has already done in Jesus Christ. And our security comes from the fact that he's proven his love for us, a love that has gone to great lengths to give us the opportunity to be saved and to live for him in freedom. And we need to serve God not out of fear, not out of pride in ourselves, hey, I can prove myself, but simply out of gratitude for what he has already done in Christ. One final thing I want to mention about what we have as God's child, and this list is almost inexhaustive, uh, and that is that we have in Christ, as a child of God, a new power working in our lives. Almighty God's power is working in us. Isn't that amazing? You know, I don't feel very strong. I don't feel very smart. But when I stop to consider that God's power is in me, it's exciting, you know, to think, wow, something could happen here that has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with him. Paul pointed out to the Ephesian believers some really great things. And one of those he says in Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And, and as I look at Ephesians, and, and we read that this week and believe, we read chapters 2 and 3 of Ephesians. And I just want to remind you, just in the highlight of some of the things Paul says here in pages 87 through 89 of Believe. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3, and, and we'll just look at a, a couple things there. He says, first of all, before we met Christ, we were dead. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. And, you know, we used to follow the ways of the world, he says. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, he had power over us, but no longer. That's where we used to be. And he says, now, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, and it is by grace you've been saved. That love overcame that death that we had and gave us new life. And now we are God working in us. We are, we are now God um, making us alive, and the power of God is flowing in our lives. And Paul goes on to explain, and we won't read all these verses, where he says, you know, you were far away, but now you're near. You were not God's people, but now you are God's people. You didn't have all of this before. You were even separated from Christ. You couldn't get to Christ, but because of his death, he's brought you near to God by the blood of Christ. And then down at the bottom of page 87, in bold letters, he says, consequently, here's, here's the big, big consequence, here's the big therefore, you are no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Paul goes on in this passage and he says, you know, look at my own life. He says, I was called to preach when I was the worst. You know, I was the least of all the apostles. I was the least of anybody God could have chosen. And yet he called me to do this, to share this message, to give the good news to people. And he says, we are all called, we are all brought into this, and we all can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And so he prays in Ephesians 3, bottom of page 88, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I read that and I thought, wow, what is the fullness of God? What is the measure of that? There is no measure. And you're going to be filled up with that if you are a child of God. If you are a follower of Christ, this filling could only be accomplished through God's power. And it can only happen to the children of God who have been empowered and enabled by God himself. So, so we don't need to live in fear. We don't need to live insecure in life and, and think, you know, what's tomorrow going to hold? What, and just worry. You know, we don't need to live in embarrassment for the past. We don't need to live in sin, defeated every day. You know, just the same thing is just defeating me day after day. No, there's a power that can overcome that. We don't need to live in pride, you know, trying to make myself better than someone else. We don't need to leave, live comparing our goodness to someone else. Well, I, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm better than them. We don't need to live in condemnation, feeling like Satan wants us to feel that we're defeated and we're never going to measure up or we're never going to be good enough. And we don't need to go around condemning anyone else. We just need to live for God every day, obeying whatever he tells us to do. A Christian has said today that 
we've had some teens directly impacted by this. At least two of them that I know of have had those suicidal thoughts and even had gone far enough with this that there was a plan that they could have acted upon. And they're getting some help. And we're grateful for people like Christian, our youth sponsors, who care deeply enough that he gets energized like that this morning. Because, you know, I'm thinking, this is like a dad saying, don't you mess with my kids. Amen. <laughs> you know, that, that's what you saw was that ire that comes up within us that says, you're not going to do that to people I care about. You're not going to do that to the body of Christ here. And I got thinking, what would I say to these guys if I had the opportunity? I can't go see them right now, but if I had opportunity, what would I say to these teens who are struggling and have had these thoughts and let the world do something, mess with their minds? And this is, this is what I think I would say. You know, guys, I'm sorry for the way you feel, but it seems like you've just temporarily lost your way. <laughs> you, you've lost your way because you've forgotten whose you are. You've forgotten who you are in Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Almighty God is your Father. And He's got your back. You have been given a new name. And you are loved with an everlasting, amazing love. You are loved with an unstoppable love. You belong to God. And He will hold you in His hand. You have nothing to fear. Almighty God is on your side. So don't listen to this world. Don't listen to your peers. Don't listen to anyone who puts you down and makes you feel less valuable than you are. Your purpose as a child of God is to live for God, not for yourself. And when you are fully surrendered to Him, you will discover true joy and meaning and significance. God's power is yours to overcome your demons, to overcome these setbacks. That power is readily available to you every day. So call on Him, and He will be there for you. He has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. So remember, rest in His love. Be at peace in His love. Rejoice in His love, because God's going to see you all the way home. He's, he's not going to leave you. And you're going to have victory in him. Now, I wanted to uh, have you just take a moment. We don't normally take some time for this. But we're going to do some time this morning. We're just going to listen to a song. You're not going to see anything on the screen because I wasn't able to uh, grab YouTube illegally. <laughs> so I'm going to play a song. I want you to think of something. I want you to pray. I want you to take a position of prayer. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to stand, if you want to lay on the floor, if you want to just sit there quietly with your head down in your hands, I want you to listen to the words of this song because this song speaks so powerfully to us of what God wants for us and what God is doing in our life. Would you just listen to the words of this song as a child of God? Tell me that you're pleased and that I 
song if you want to download it and uh, just remind yourself who you are and who God is uh, just such a powerful way to do that and I want you to continue uh, just thinking of what God has in store for you that God has given you a new name and he's given you a new purpose and he has a, a, a plan for your security, for your confidence, for your assurance in life. And he has a plan for your power that you need to live every day. And you need to just go to God and allow him to give that to you, to, to open that up to you. Now, if you're not yet a Christian here, let me, let me just say something to you real quick before we close. And, and this is quick, but this is a life changer. This is, this is life transforming. Whatever you've done in your life doesn't matter. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. Because you can't do anything to make God love you more. 
and uh, you can't make it anything to make him love you less. Um, and God wants a relationship with you because he loves you. And he's proven that because his son Jesus came and died for you. Uh, there's a verse in Second Peter that says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That all of us would come to a place where we repent before God and we receive what he's offering by his grace. That's God's desire for us, for every one of us in this room. For anybody you've ever met, God doesn't want you to think that you can't be loved, you can't be embraced by him because you can't no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And so Peter tells us, the Word of God tells us, repent, turn away from your sins, turn to God, put your faith in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this morning to do that. As we were going to sing a song together in a few minutes about, you know, Lord, just keep working on me, keep making me the way you want me to be. I want you to, to be able to embrace God and to receive what he's offering through Jesus Christ. Because he wants you in, your, in his family. He, he wants you to be a child of God. And there is, there is no, no uh, wall preventing that. There's, there's no door shut to you. The door is thrown wide open. The light's always on. You know, God always wants this, this decision. So you're getting the green light. Let's go for God today. And we need to receive Christ simply by putting our faith in him to save us. Choosing to follow him all the way. And we can help you do that today. I'm going to invite you to make a decision today as we sing. If you want to come up and be seated on the front, we'll talk with you after the service, or you just find me afterwards. I'm going to be around the back there. You just find me afterwards. So let's talk about it today. That decision to follow Christ and to receive what he's offering in you. Let's pray together and then we'll sing and have that decision time. Lord, uh, just bless us as we come before you. Each of us come with a, a different needs. Some of us are insecure. Even though we've been a Christian for a while, we feel powerless. We feel hopeless. We worry all the time. Some of us, Lord, are struggling because uh, of our family dynamics and we're we're trying to figure some of these things out, and we've heard what Christians said about teens, and we've heard about the goals of the world and how we buy into those things, and, and we need direction. We need purpose. We need to recognize that new name you've given us as a child of God, as a follower of Christ. And we need, Lord, the, the, uh, the power for day-to-day -day living. We need the ability to overcome. We need the ability to uh, follow you into dark places, to make tough decisions, to speak boldly and confidently for you, and to even come before you with that boldness and confidence. And Lord, if we are here today with any struggle, uh, meet us where we are in that struggle. And because you love us, we come with that confidence that you will hear us. And if there's someone here today, Lord, that needs Jesus in their life, bless them that they would be able to take a step toward you and repent and believe and confess their faith in Jesus and be baptized into Christ and to, to walk with him, to obey him this, from this day on. Help us help them as they realize their need for Jesus today. Thank you for loving us. 
We pray that you would keep making each of us as you want to. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Would you just stand with